Electricast. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Your Business and Life podcast. My name is Bethany London, and I am supporting CEOs and entrepreneurs in multiplying revenues and opportunities of their business through intuitive guidance and energetic healing. I am obsessed with finding and releasing blocks so that you can start receiving the guidance and opportunities that will be bringing you quantum leaps with ease. If you are looking to upgrade your business, life, spirituality, or need a perspective shift to flow, you've come to the right place. Leave it to me to pull out the juicy stories, quantum leap hacks, and how our inspiring guests have tackled obstacles and gotten into the flow to reach new heights. My intention is to bring clarity and massive awareness that infinite possibilities are everywhere. Your next moment could be a miraculous one. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Let's uncover their strategies, have fun, and see how we can quantum leap together. I am here today with Connie Whitman, who I met through a dear friend and she's amazing and had me on her podcast. I'm like, I need to have you on mine because she is so eloquent in her speaking, which is of course, because she is all about communication and changing the sales game. So she started out, it looks like at Chrysler credit and has since gone through the corporate world and now is doing consulting, working with sales teams has seen on all sorts of, you know, NBC, CBS News, Fox, Market Watch, you name it. She is here to bring us some wisdom, some nuggets to allow us to take our own quantum leaps and jump in also to work on our communication is what I'm getting. hundred <laughs> percent, which is a good place to start. It's a good place to start. So she has a quiz on her website. If you go, it's changingthesalesgame.com. And you can change, you can take this quiz and it will tell you what kind of communicator you are. So I am a heartfelt advocate, which aligns with my Myers-Briggs because I'm a INFJ, which is an advocate, which makes total sense. So it will also tell you your greatest weakness, which conveniently I already forgot. Mommy brain. It's okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey and then we'll dive into the juicy parts. So it's interesting because I did start at Chrysler Credit 40 years ago, 1983. And it was interesting because Bethany, I did not know what sales was. I had no intentions of being in sales. I didn't even know I could do sales, right? Whatever that meant. And at Chrysler, the leasing back in the 80s wasn't even a thing like it is now but it was really good for business owners because they could write off the whole payment. So fast forward, right. I was in charge of leasing. So I kept getting retail deals in because everybody bought their cars back in the 80s. And I would call the dealer up, the salesman, and I would say, hey, listen, this is a business owner. I think call him back. This is the conversation. 
I think we could save him money on his taxes, but you could give him the information. He could check with his accountant. But I think this is a better option for him than the buying. And they were like, we don't know how to do the calculation. We didn't have computers. We had calculators. Right. So I said, all right, let me teach you how to do the calculation. It was, it was not more money than what the, what the payment would have been, but they had a big benefit on the tax side that does not exist anymore, but it did for about a decade. So fast forward, the salesman started making money. The dealership started making more money and the, the business owners now think about it. It was like this new insight that they were being taught. But they started referring their friends to the dealership. So fast forward again, I get about, about eight months in, maybe maybe a year in, I get a phone call from all these dealers, all these salesmen, they were all men. Connie, you should apply. You have a sales position at Chrysler. You need to apply. And I, I my response, Bethany, I don't know anything about sales. Why would I apply for a sales job? And they came back and they said, what do you think you've been teaching us? I know well, you just increased and- all the revenues. <laughs> So by, so it's funny because I realized, you know, in my twenties that sales is really just understanding with clarity, what, what the best alternatives are for, in this case, it just happened to be business owners, but you have to stop and think about who's in front of me and then what is the best option for them. And as soon as we come from that place of true service, right. Of helping whoever this person is situation, all of a sudden we build this whole ripple effect where they started getting referrals. Everybody started making more money. Chrysler made more money. But because I was a female, again, ladies, this was back in the eighties for, for people listening, they wouldn't promote me because I was a female. So, which is fine, right? It is what it is. But my boss, my, the regional who ran our office, he, he saw my potential probably better than I saw my own Beth. And he said to me, you've outgrown us already. You need to move on. And I was going for my MBA at night. So I, I mean, I had a lot going on. I, I had a lot of energy. And then that's when I was going for my, my undergraduate and then my graduate were in finance. So I went back into financial sales. That's where my heart was to teach people about money and budgets and stuff like that. And then 23 years ago, I started my own business was downsized. So what do you do at these quantum leaps, right? At these pivotal, pivotal moments, where do you land? You have to have a plan. Otherwise you're not landing really where you want to land. So that's kind of my fast forward story about how I got into sales. And then ultimately 23 years ago, how I opened my business. I'm, I'm impressed about, you know, as a healer, someone that's always working to neutralize just different things that have happened. Like you, you're completely neutral to the fact that they couldn't give you a promotion because you're female. Were you, were you seriously that neutral at the time? Well, at the time, I th- yeah, this was my reaction. It was so cute. His name is Don. I don't even know if he's alive anymore, but I, I, I owe him a lot. Isn't that funny? The silver lining, even yeah. though he couldn't promote me, right? There's a silver lining. But I remember saying to him, you're kidding me, right? And he looked at me dead serious. And he said, I'm not. And this was interesting because he shared something personal about himself. He had a 14-year-old daughter at the time, high energy, smart kid. And he said, Connie, I really hope that when my daughter is 20 something years old, you know, after she graduates college, that somebody will give her an opportunity that I'm not allowed to give you. And he goes, so I have to help you. Like, I feel like it's my responsibility. And he was a mentor for me, right? Isn't that funny how he took on that role? I did not ask, but he saw something in me probably because of his daughter, but I was neutral. I would say, yes, I was at first. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like I'm smart. I'm a go-getter. You could see the numbers of the numbers. But he, he was very honest with me and I appreciated that. So you accept it because I can't change what I can't change. So I'm one that if I can't control it or change it, move on. Yeah. And he, what he, he was supportive. Yeah. 
yeah. of you being in the yeah. role, it sounds like. So you knew yeah. that it wasn't him, you know? Yeah. So oh, God, no. Yeah. It helped. Beautiful. So I was a finance degree too. And I would, I had all the offers from like, what? oh my goodness, Morgan Stanley, Smith and Barney, all these companies that I don't believe are around anymore. And they're like, we need you to come in and like work with women. They wanted me to come in and work with women to support them because they're just usually sitting back and letting their husbands do all the work with finances. Is, were you in that kind of role or- well, it's interesting because I remember when I first started, I was selling insurance. So you go to people's kitchen tables, you know, the whole thing. And mm-hmm. usually I would sit with the husband and wife and the husband would do all the talking. And so again, I understand money and finance and budgets. So I would talk to both of them. And the man sometimes would say to me, well, I'm the one who handles the bills. And my response was always, and that's amazing. I'm not saying change that. I want your wife to understand some basics because God forbid a million times that something happens to you. We need her to be prepared. You have kids, you have a house, right? She has to be able to step into that. And it was interesting because most of the men, I'll say between 80 and 90%. Oh, that's really good thinking. We should, you know, her responsibility is the kids in the house. Remember this is eighties and nineties too. It was a different women, a little bit different role. And they would, they would say, oh, but you're right. I never thought of that. And the women would usually say, she has a point. I want to understand. So it started, I, I think I also inspired conversations, but I never talked down to the woman, I think, which was important. But I never made the man feel like, you know, you Neanderthal, why aren't you teaching your wife? So I think I approached in a very respectful manner. So people were usually open to it and very appreciative at the end. Nice, nice, nice. And they listen to you. If you're yeah. telling them as a woman, crazy, right? It's crazy that we definitely roll- out or backdating ourselves. here. You know, that's the thing. It, history is history. It is yeah. what it is. So instead of being angry at it, what did I learn from it? And what was mm-hmm. my role, right? Was to educate everybody, whether you were male or female, didn't matter to me, but I saw the role of each of those, those parents and how money's important in a household. And if the breadwinner, something does happen, okay, you have the insurance, but what about the budget? What about the bills? You have to understand money. And I, I think that I felt blessed to have all of this education and these licensing and everything. So that was my way of paying it forward, right? Somebody paid it forward for me. I wanted to do the same. In this case, it was to help people with their money. Beautiful. So what, where, where were you at at the point that you took that leap into consulting? So it's interesting. We got downsized. So back in the nineties, I ended up in a bank and I was with the bank for about 13 years. And in the 90s, banks were going through what we called merger mania. So in that like last couple of years that I was in banking, I was part of two merger teams. It was a lot. I'll just tell you that. Well, I had two kids at the time. So I had a one-year-old and a four-year-old and our bank got bought out by another bank I did not want to work for. They were anti-customer service. The customer was not important to them. Customer is extremely important to me. So I remember I came home, Bethany, it was so funny. I came home, I said to my husband, yeah, so, and I won't say the name of the bank, they bought us. And he's like, yeah, you know, I heard. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work for them. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to get fired. We're married actually this week, 32 years. We'll be married 32 years. And I said to him, I want to get fired. And he goes, okay. And then what do you want to do? I said, I want to open my own business. And again, we're married 32 years. So he gets me. That's number one. But number two, we had money in the bank and I had a package 
that they were offering me. So when you want to take a jump, you really do. I said it before, you kind of have to have a plan because what if I didn't get a client for a year as I started to build this consultancy, how would we survive? So I had a 13 month package of my full salary. So I said to my husband, six months, cause I'm not, again, I'm a calculated risk taker. I said, if after six months, I don't have enough clients to pay my portion of the bills cause we needed my income. I'll go and I'll get a job, but I need to try this. Just give me that six months and I think I can do it. And that was 23 years ago. So again, you have to, and, and I'll, one other thing I'll share. I had a business plan written five years before that I had kept updating it. So I was kind of always thinking about it, but he had ba- you know, I had babies at home. How could you possibly leave a job and just jump into the deep end? So yeah. that's why I had, I knew what I wanted to do. I had then see the divine intervention of the universe. Now I had this 13 months of a package that I knew I could, I could launch the business and, and have it take off. I trusted myself because I work hard. Yeah. This is truly one of those, I'm, I'm forgetting the quote, but like preparedness meets results. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Very cool. So you were like, I'm going to do what was the, it was a consulting on sales sales. Yeah. That was my yeah. world. Think about it at that point. Yeah. You know, I had been in sales almost, you know, over 20 years and I, and this was the other thing because as a regional in this, I was a sales regional in this very big bank, regional bank. So I had two counties in New Jersey. It was probably the equivalent of about 50 branches. So it it was quite a large bank that I worked with. So when we would go in the beginning of the year or the ends of the year, what the budget is, what the goals are the next year, I'm competitive, Bethany. I want to be number one region. There was five regions. And I remember sitting in meetings and saying, our employees cannot do what they're asking us to do. So I would go back to my managers and I would coach them and meet with them and meet with their employees. I was very hands-on. I was in the branches all the time. I didn't sit in my office because that I'd be bored anyway, but I created programs and I taught and I coached and I taught them how to coach. And we were always the number one reach. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. You're totally reminding me of another friend I have that worked for a bank and like they would recruit her because she would turn every department into a number one sales team or something like that. Yeah. Systems and processes. She's always talking about. So it works. Uh, yeah, it does work. I'm like, okay, I need to work on my own systems and processes. <laughs> we all do. So obviously you're very driven and mm. you, you're still doing it. So you made it within six months. You got some clients. Were you just hitting up the, the companies? It was interesting because I'm very good at networking. See all these skills you have that I was, it was naturally good at it, but then you develop it right over that 20 years, you hone those skills. So I was just a very good networker. I knew a lot of people. I also remember most industries are pretty small. So the financial industry, we're just recycled, right? Everybody kind of knows everybody. You see the same people over and over, or, you know, certain people, there's a lot of connectivity. So I remember when I started my business, I just reached out to people I knew and I knew liked me and trusted me, knew I, I had a good business acumen that I was honest and that I can articulate myself well. So I reached out and said, hey, listen, this is what's, what I'm doing. If ever you see an opportunity, you know, no pressure from me, but you know, I'll make you look great. I'll help your people, you know, blah, blah, blah. And through my networks, I started getting these, these gigs and then it just grew from there. Yeah. And it's interesting because in the corporate world, right? I mean, I meet with clients and I, like one of my clients I've been working with 15 years, another one is six years, another one we're going on our third year. So when you get in and they see the return on time and money, they want you back, right? And then they go, oh, can you do this department too? Oh, can you do this department too? And now we start building 
these dynamic cultures and can start to eliminate the silos that happens within most organizations. So it becomes a lot of fun for me because you start small, but I always end up becoming entrenched within those organizations, which is fun. You know, you really get to know the people intimately, which is nice. Oh, totally. Well, that that's amazing. So you're obviously driven. And if you, someone else was to come into wanting to be a consultant, what would you be, what would be your recommendations? Obviously you had a business plan. Were you like creating a structure for yourself daily calling? Yes. Because remember now you go from being in an an office, I couldn't afford to have an office too. So my office was in my house, right? I put a desk with a file cabinet and you know, you buy a computer and you're off to the races. And yes, I had the business plan. So I knew what I wanted I met with at the local community college, they had how to open a business. What's an LLC? What's an S corp? I didn't know really any of that. I knew, but I didn't know what would be best for me. So I went and I took the class and at the end, they helped you do all the filing for the LLC, name it, search it. Cause I didn't know how to do any of that either. So it was such a great, again, some see, isn't it funny, your network, someone said, Oh, you know, our local college has this class con that might help you out. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's great. So listen to people that share resources with you because it was affordable. Remember I was trying to watch my pennies opening my business. So it was cheaper than initially going to an attorney right out of the gate to get all the filings done that I did it correctly for my accountant. And then somebody else referred me to an accountant, you know, you see, so you have to networking. This is my biggest tip, Bethany, just network. And when you do that and you build a good reputation, the business will find you as long as you're in the right place. Right. And you have a clear vision of what your business is going to be, or you want it to be. And then through that network, you'll find those right people like this person who said, go to the college. Oh, this is an accountant. He he'll be able to, he works with small business owners and he taught me a lot. So you see you, a lot of people came into my life that I needed that you don't even know you need, but you have to be open to hear people's ideas. Don't think, you know, it all that's dangerous. I love this. And then like the spiritual side of this is you were obviously very aligned and because you were aligned, you were open and you were aware the things were always flowing to you. And you're like, oh yeah, I'll pick up on that. That's going to support me here, here, here. It's like, yes, yes, yes. Cause so many people are like, the universe isn't answering my prayers or God's not answering my prayers, but it's like, are you listening? Are you paying attention? The signs are right there. So uh, you were obviously very in the flow. I love that. And the other thing too, which goes along with that, right? The divine gives us exactly what we need when we need it. Or though we think we need it now but we're not ready for it now. So sometimes three months, a year later, that thing finds you because you're ready to disciplined enough to implement whatever it might be. I really, I challenge people. You have to be curious because we have blind spots. They're called blind spots because we don't know they're there. So when you show up curious and open, open heart, open minds, whatever you want to say, I really believe that that next thing or that piece you were searching for will find you because you're open. Your, your heart is open. You're curious. You're, you're, you're seeking without seeking a specific thing. You're seeking, Hey, what's next for me. And I think that openness creates the space for it to find you. I used to get the download before going to events to be in a state of wonder. Love it. I know. I love that word. I okay, love it. So wonder. the drive, the drive that I love about you of being a mom, working full time, doing all this. What was your childhood like? Was there something in your childhood that created this drive or where did it come oh, from? That's a- 
That's a really good question. So it's funny. Yes. The answer to that is yes. And my (laughs) dad, he's God bless him. He's 93 and still lives independently. Knock on wood. He's freaking amazing. His faculties are there. He just got back from Albania. God bless him. He traveled because that's hundreds of years ago. That's where our ancestors and then they migrated to Italy. So my brother was kind enough. That was a lot of responsibility, but took my my dad. So he got to do something that was on his bucket list. But anyway, he came from Italy. And he, one by one, brought his sisters over so they could get educated here and have more opportunity here than in Italy. So work, I mean, my dad never sat still. He does. He still doesn't sit still. Bethany, he gets like six to 8,000 steps in a day. Again, God bless him, right? He's my idol. And so I want to be him when I grow up. That's why I go, dad, I want to be you when I grow up. I need to interview him. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's freaking amazing. And he's adorable too. Oh, but my weird. mom, equally, they both had four sisters. They were the oldest, five, you know, kids five. They were both the oldest. So that lo- layer of responsibility, of course, my parents both being elders in their family, right? The oldest that was taught to us. So we have four, I have, I have three siblings and myself. We all work very hard. We don't know the word stop or you can't do that. I could do that. I'll try it. Right. So we never say no, we never stop all four of us. So that's interesting too. So yes, my, it's my parents' fault. (laughs) It's your parents' fault. And I love that everyone's like that. That's amazing. Yeah. My kids are too. Isn't that, isn't that funny? All my nieces and nephews are as well. See, that's the ripple effect of that heritage too. I think we sometimes, you know, depending on your family situation, I'm Italian, right? So my family's very, very close. But even with that said, we honor each other. We each, you know, my mom passed away about a year ago and each of us had our zone of genius that, okay, you go do that, you go do that. And and it made it easier for my dad as well. So we all honor each other's strengths and what we bring to the table. And I think that's important. You really do need a village, I think, to create a life. It's it, You can't do it in a silo, man. It makes, well, you could. I think it just makes it a heck of a lot harder. I know. I was talking about this coach that I was interested in that's like, you know, however much. And my partner's like, Bethany, you have the most supportive people in your life ever. You do not need any coach. <laughs> I love coaches. You're so cute. But but yeah, I feel very fortunate and blessed with like my supportive community of friends and family and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely important. Well, I definitely want to touch on the sales aspect and what advice, tidbits, et cetera, you have to, I don't even know what questions I should be asking. So it's, it's interesting because what, what do you think as business owners, people who even have a career where sales is a piece of their business, like as a business owner, you can't be selling hundred percent of the time because you have to deliver whatever the thing is on the back end. You have to run staff, you have to run projects, whatever. So sales isn't always a hundred percent of the job. You know, the teams I work with, even there's some operational components, right? There has to be a balance in our industry that we're functioning within the law, right? As well as selling. So sales is never a hundred percent of our job. I don't care who you are, right? But it's a piece. So the problem with that though, is we, it's harder to hone our skills if it's only 20 or 25% of our job. So my feeling is, and this is, this is my philosophy in sales overall. And it started, like I said, through the dealerships. But then when I was selling one-on-one, I put people on a budget so that once they did get the life insurance, for example, it didn't lapse because now we're throwing money away and you still don't have the coverage at the end of the day for God forbid something happens. That's not okay for me. If I could put you on a budget, then I know what I sell you on the back end. It's going to stand for a long period of time. 
I just continued that through my whole career and I still do. So for me, when I wrote my book, the first chapter is called Love, which intuitively people think sales and love, this chick's out of her mind. But my motto or my subtitle is always, if you're not selling from a place of love, care and respect, stop, you're doing it wrong. It has to be about the client, the prospect, the center of influence, a referral partner, sitting in front of you. And, and the only way to make them feel seen, heard, honored, understood is by you sitting back and listening and then just approaching your solution from this place of love, care, and respect, not to make the sale for your commission or your income or whatever. It's truly to help that client. And, and this is important. I really want everybody to understand this. As soon as you shift that mindset to really, really, really giving from your heart, not I'm going to give so I can get, that's that you're not giving that, okay? That's manipulation. But if you're truly giving and and you, whatever your zone of genius is and you're sharing that with the correct person or client or potential client, you'll make the sale, you won't get objections. And oh, by the way, you'll live off of referrals for the rest of your life so that you don't have to spend ad money and do all this time networking because your network organically grows and you hit a tipping point where people just are passively referring to you because you've built that really good reputation. You keep in touch with people. So that's why networking is another big piece of sales. Connie cares. Connie cares. And one last thing, when you think about sales, sales is probably 80 to 90% preparation. It's really about that 10% where you're having the conversation in front of the client. But if you, and you I'm going to go back to what you said before, Bethany, the systems and processes. If you don't have good systems, that's rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. You could bring an admin person to do that piece of it. So you can do more selling, right? More FaceTime, more networking and that kind of thing. But you have to have those processes built in in place. And then we're really, we're, you're catapult your, your results because somebody asks you a question, you go, Oh, I have that. I could send that to you as soon as I get back to my office. Cause you know where it is, you know, what your assets are, you know, what your process is. So we become super efficient. People trust us. They want to work with you because they think, Holy crap, this person's got their act together. I I've been looking for you. Right. So it's all preparation. So I have not read your book yet. P, and I did that on purpose because we do need ESP with our clients because we see, need to be, you know, mind readers. But my ESP is easy sales process. And it truly is. It's seven steps to sales success. So it's ESP, seven steps to sales success is the name of the book. I could give you that link. It's the digital versions on my website. It's cheaper than Amazon. Some people I know like that hard copy. They could get that on Amazon as well. All right. So going on to the, going back to the love, if they do not love it, is it, is it about finding love or is it about finding something else that they love that they can also sell and connect with somebody on? It's, it's really about truly figuring out your zone of genius. And my process is, is more about how do we approach the other humans and do it through this love, care, and respect. So all of my steps, it's always about the client journey. It's never about me. It's never about me. Me. I need a referral. It's never about that. It's always about, oh my goodness, of course I can help you. Let me, let me explore. Let me be, I like wonder, curious. Let me be curious and then I'll know. And here's the other thing. If, if after you do this detailed interview with whoever, right? It could be a prospect. Let's say I'm not the match for them, Bethany, they need you. At the end, I say to them, I really understand what you're about and what your needs are. I'm not the person you need. You need my person, Bethany. So now you start to refer number one, what that client or that potential clients like, holy crap, 
this person really cares about me. They see somebody else who really does need my help. They're sending them my way. And now Bethany, I've referred to Bethany. Bethany is like, oh my God, Connie is the best. This is my ideal client. You're going to now look for ideal clients for me. So that's the more you give, the more you get, but you just have to give without that string attached. People think, well, I gave to you, or what are you going to do for me now? I never ask yeah. that. I never ask that. Yeah, totally. Or even I, I even will catch myself as simple as like someone just gave me a compliment and you automatically want to give a compliment back. It's like, okay, let's receive that. Like, yes. you don't have to give something right back. You can maybe later, maybe wait 20 minutes, even <laughs> like just allow yourself to receive. <laughs> yeah. So funny. Uh, tell us about your communication style assessment that I did earlier. So there's five styles, a partner of mine, she was Myers-Briggs certified. I'm DISC certified. Okay. So we, they, and listen, Myers-Briggs, brilliant. They are freaking brilliant models. If you're using them, great. You understand them, great. My, my, when some of my clients use DISC and they would come to training and they would say, I'm an ID, for example. It doesn't matter if you understand that listeners, but like I'm an ID and I think you're an SC. And then they would argue with me. You're trying to be something you're not. So here's the danger of that. You're showing up as you're showing up. You think you're showing up one way, but really people are receiving your message in another. So it's dangerous. So my partner and I, we decided, a colleague of mine, we decided that we were going to create our own model. And a couple of things had to happen. Number one, it had to have a positive imagery so people would embrace where they are right now. doesn't matter what you're working on, but where are you now? You have to understand how your message is landing. And then the flip side of that is we wanted people to understand they had blind spots. So what your lowest score is, is kind of important too, because we're, you know, 80% of the time we're talking to people different than us. 20% of the time we're talking to people like us, but eight out of 10 times I'm talking with another human. They don't communicate like me. That's a blind spot. So by understanding that now, I, now I know what I need to do. So my message lands for, in this case, a prospect or a client, they hear it because they're receiving it because I was able to modify. So with my CSA communication style assessment, you get those two reports. One, your superpowers. We should know what they are, lean into them, embrace them. But really that secondary report of the blind spot, that is a really important uh, piece of the puzzle. And there's a workbook again that goes with it. I have it on my website. I think it's 497 if people want that. But you, you'll get emails from me after. So you don't necessarily have to buy the workbook either. You'll have enough things to work on for, I think I have seven or 10 emails after they take the CSA. Give them little tips and little action steps to take. So even though I conveniently forgot the one that I'm weak on, actually it had something to do with design something, but. Serving designer, the researcher. You don't like to do the research. Hey, research. Yeah, me too. Pins in my eyes. We hire people for that research. I have plenty of friends that do all the details. I'm like, just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Very cool. I love that. And, and I love how you're putting the positive spin, especially if people were like, I don't want to be a supporter or, you know, is it a controller, right? See, Oh, which one for disc? Oh, the disc. Uh, yeah. Like the SC, they're more passive. The ID I'm an ID in disc. So yeah. I'm aggressive. I'm fast. I love people. My eye is all about include everybody, include everybody, right? That's, yeah. Yeah. I want to be your cheerleader. That's me. But the D is that, that CEO mentality. All right, chill out. Now we got work to do. Well, let's pull up our bootstraps and get to work. So that's why the ID is a business owner. I'm people friendly, but I'm also let's get it done and organized enough to, to create processes and systems. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I actually was, I guess this ID, I say, I say DI, but when, after doing all this personal growth, I went back and took the test and I was very much like almost like a full circle if I did it on the thing. So I was like, Oh, yeah. I got balanced, but I, I had still been a long time. <laughs> That's like 10 years ago. Oh my goodness. Okay. A lot so- of work. It is. It is. So the question I love to ask everyone, which I I hinted at earlier because I just had to, but what are your three keys or your three tools in your toolbox for taking a quantum leap? Be prepared. Number one, really be clear as well. Let's put it this way. Be as clear as you can. So you you're, you're heading in the right direction. Because even if you take a misstep, but you're in motion moving forward, right? You're prepared. You kind of see it. The opportunities will present themselves. So that's number one, be prepared, have a plan. Okay. Second thing is make sure you follow up. So after you meet people and you connect with them and you chat with them, you have to, if, if they resonated with you and you resonated with them and you think, oh, there, there might be something down the road, nothing now, but maybe down the road, power partners, whatever you have to stay in touch, follow up follow up, follow up. So that's the second big one. And the third one is really understand your communication. What, and, and here, don't judge it. Who am I? What are my strengths? What are my blind spots? And then what do I need to do? So every human I speak with that truly can use my service, my products, whatever it is, or use me as a coach, that my message is landing for them, that they feel seen and heard and respected by me. So they're the three. All right. So I need to ask some personal questions after you shared this because, and hopefully someone else will have the same questions. I went to this phenomenal event. It was probably exactly a month ago. And then I was like leaving town, had a birthday to plan for somebody. All this stuff was happening. And I met all these wonderful people. I have not followed up with them at all. And it's on my list to reach out. People are like, I want you to channel, you know, the future of real estate. I might have you come speak in February. I'm like, I probably missed that opportunity. (laughs) But yeah, it's like, I have not followed up with these people at all. Just, you know, everything that's going on. So but it's about a month. It's been a month. Okay. So immediately craft a a really heartfelt email. Your words don't have somebody write it for you. You do it. Be brief and just say, you know, first wishing you a happy new year. Can't believe we're already two weeks in. I know we met about a month ago and with the holidays and everything, right? Time flies. With that said, that's not okay. Or something like that. Here's what we discussed. And then that's where you would put in. Here's where we discussed. I'd love the opportunity. Why don't we schedule a zoom call or a team's meeting or whatever? And let's ground our conversation a little bit further. Here's my calendar link. Truly looking forward to connecting with you further, getting to know you deeper. I think there's something here, whatever, whatever you wording you want, warmest regards, right? Connie. So, but I would craft an an email and then fill in the blank. They'll make it really personal. What did you talk to them about? Like that one with the, the real estate or having you speak and say, I, I perhaps have missed, be, be honest, perhaps I missed it due to the frenzy of the holiday. You know, I dropped the ball own it, but I would love to see if you have something down the road. And if you feel I'm a good fit, I'd love this. So make it personal. That's, that's the yeah. main thing, yeah. but reach out a month, a, okay. a month. You're okay. A month. You're okay. Yeah. Okay. Six months. No, no, no. But it's like, I'm like, oh man, I need to reach out, but I'm like still playing catch up on so many things that I, I know that like Crazy. the last thing, but yeah, networking is should be number one. Or one, one of the top. Yeah. So part of preparation, right? But sales come from it. If you're, if you're networking 
have a plan with networking. Let's just say that too. I have a whole yeah. business development course I do because there's so many moving parts, but most of it is the preparation piece. And we show up and we just wing it instead of having a process. It's always about a process or system. That was so good. Well, and even as you were sharing, I'm like, oh, maybe I haven't responded because I'm like nervous about responding because it's been so long, but I hadn't thought about that, but I'm like, oh, that's so good. <laughs> this is a good time of year because we did have the holidays. So it's going to be yeah. funny because people are going to say, oh, we postponed that. Or, oh, you still have time because I dropped the ball because of the you'll be surprised. Humans were human. Yeah. We yeah. The holidays throws us into a tailspin because we're in so many directions. A lot okay. of things fall through the cracks. Amazing. You're amazing. Love oh. your positive energy. Thank you. Funny you too. So well. Everyone needs to go check out her communication style assessment, see what you are. And if you want her book, ESP, everything's on her website, changingthesalesgame.com. And we'll yep. get everything in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any final words? No, I just love you, my friends. You're doing great things out there. Let's keep it up. We have to change the world Amen. one person at a time. We've got this. We, You yes. and I, we've got this. That's our, we I think this. that's really what we're here on earth for, right? Shine 100%. that light and help others shine their light so brightly. 100%. It's worth it. Yes. Love it. Love You're you. Amazing. Okay. Love you. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, be sure to subscribe and let me know by leaving a review on iTunes. It fuels me to keep bringing you more guests. And if you aren't already following me on social media, check out at Bethany London and visit BethanyLondon.com for online programs and free healing opportunities or our corporate healing platform, LondonHeights.co. Don't hesitate to tag me and our guests with your favorite quotes for a reshare. I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. And in the meantime, wishing you that quantum leap. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electricast production. Electricast. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, The Interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one -on -one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, The Interview. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.